Hello, America. It's Friday. The podcast today, breakdown of last night's special. It was absolutely incredible. Some laughs with Nick DiPaolo. Bill O'Reilly is here. He's got a lot to say about Iowa, the caucus, impeachment, the State of the Union, and where do we go from here. And uh, then we also give you the breaking news at the time that we were recording this about Virginia and what they have just passed in the House. A gun ban that makes anybody who has a so-called assault rifle now a felon unless you go and report it and register with the state police. All this and more on today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. We have Nick DiPaolo on with us. Yeah. Hi, it's Friday, Nick. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you doing, Glenn? I'm tired. Good He's heavens, right. man. What a week this has been. Yeah, you had to cover some serious stuff. I'm so lucky I'm a comedian to a podcast. <laughs> well, that's what I was kind of can... that's what I was kind of hoping that you paid attention to all this stuff and you had something funny to say cuz it was uh man, this has been a relentless week. Well, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a great week. It I has. just I I have to meet Trump. I just him at the prayer breakfast holding up the paper. Like the guy in Cheers at yeah. the end, we win. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sticking it right in Pelosi's face. She is the most evil. I always thought Hillary was the most evil person on the planet. She has jumped her for me. She is just, you know, I, intolerant, I hate petulant to use, little. I, I hate to use the word evil when uh, the pranks are so uh, third grade. I mean, evil is a little smarter than Nancy Pelosi. You know what I mean? <laughs> Evil wins from time to time, and uh, she hasn't. She has not been on a winning streak lately, at all. She should. She should manage the Mets. She's <laughs> just. Uh, they are. Uh, didn't you love the perp walk when they were walking out, Marsha Blackburn? No, I didn't see that. T- oh, she, yeah, Marsha Blackburn got to have the sergeant at arms escort them out. Just a line of losers. And Jerry <laughs> Nadler was crying. <laughs> Adam Schiff was pouting. Uh, just a line of losers going out there. It was beautiful. It, was, it reminded me of a few good men I, when they arrested uh, Nicholson at the end. Put the cuffs on Kendrick, you know? I, you know what? I, uh, we did a special last night, Nick, that is just mind-boggling. There, there need to be some handcuffs. Uh, and I will tell you this. I think Grassley is on it. Senator Grassley and uh, Senator Johnson are, are uh, working on uh, the investigation and working on um, uh, subpoenas for Hunter Biden, and they are going after the money laundering. I, I think this thing's about to crack open. And it's good, because the first, first time in three and a half years, I feel like the Republicans can play offense and not defense, because the, the Democrats have destroyed themselves. Oh, it's unbelievable. But I'm a little worried about Grassley. He's in his late hundreds, isn't he? Is he going to be around <laughs> I, to bring this well, thing he, he might to be, fruition? Yeah, yeah I, but, I'm surprised every time you hear his name, you're like, wow, he's still going. Yeah, he's in his... Uh, but, uh, yes, that's the big thing. They're going to get Hunter Biden, follow the money. That's going to be cracked open. But the bigger thing still is the IG report and uh, what the FBI had. They had, you know... Confidential people in Trump's—they weren't officially FBI. They were yeah. in his orbit. Right. Well, when are they saving that for the election, Glenn? I hope so. I mean, how is no, he going to lose this with the economy, the impeachment? I, 
I mean, I think like the you said, only way destroying themselves. Did you see the you, you watch the State of the Union, right? I watch the State. Of, I watch Trump anytime. It's like a Netflix special. It's like, you know, I, I love it. It's like a stand up special. I look forward to it. He, I watched the, every minute of it. That was an amazing speech. I mean, I, I was in the room. And honestly, when he said to the to the woman, you know, that your husband is back and here he is, I literally looked under my chair to see if there was a card underneath that we all won cars. I mean, because that was Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> the whole thing was like, and you've got a car and you've got a car. It was it was intense, but uh, it was a little game showy, but it made it good. Uh, that really showed to me this guy knows how to program a good show. Uh, cool. But I thought it was presidential and great. It was great. And I think he has laryngitis, which he should have all the time. It makes him more presidential. He mm-hmm. kind of. But let me ask you a question. Who wrote who writes the flowery parts of those speeches? That That's not well, Trump. No, yeah. no, no. <laughs> he didn't write any of that. That was written by what was his name, Stu? Uh, he's the a guy great who wrote the Dick Van Dyke show. <laughs> no, he was a great. He's a great Sherwood speech Schwartz. So you don't. <laughs> uh, so you don't like. Uh, you didn't like the flowery parts. No, I like it. It just it's weird coming out of Trump's mouth. Yes, you know, I mean, yes. a guy who's a uh, you know a building contractor from Queens. Right, right, yeah. right. right. <laughs> I just find you can tell the part. I, I know he knows his accomplishments. He's got that in his head. And he's a salesman. That comes up naturally. But when he starts saying, a better future, the sun is shining. Yeah. Uh, you know, that yeah. stuff makes me laugh. I will, but, I, will, uh, I will tell you, when he started and he was just going through the economic stats. Um, and oh, my that God. F- first half hour, if, if you were just a regular person, you watched the first half hour. Uh, and A, that's the first time you've heard any of those stats. Um, and if you believe those stats, which... I'm only saying that because the media uh, is constantly telling you how bad we are. Uh, yeah. If you look at those stats, I you're right. I don't know how this guy loses unless, you know, uh, the, the, the economy falls apart or something, you know, spectacularly bad happens. But the beauty of that with, with him reading all those statistics and how great we're doing is Pelo- the juxtaposition of oh, Pelosi yeah. – Tearing up the, sp- in other words, admitting right on camera, I hate this that he's doing so well and the country's doing so well. I hate you people. It was, was it not meant. crazy? That was I. I saw that. And I'm like, what is she thinking? And I especially blaming on. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to blame it on menopause, but she's like 76. Yeah. So, so I, I will. Uh, I, I want to ask you about uh, Iowa because this has just been a devastating week for you had Nancy Pelosi at the State of the Union, you had Iowa where. Joe Biden is just done, and you still don't have the final count. Uh, You have, uh, uh, after that, the impeachment. He's acquitted. This couldn't have been a worse week for the Democrats. I said that to my producer. I said, the Democrats were like Glenn Beck in the 80s when he was on drugs. He finally hit bottom. (laughs) Wait, that's what you said to your producer? Uh, No, I didn't. I I said I didn't use your name, but I said it's like somebody who a drug addict who hits bottom. I don't think they're at the bottom yet. Well, well, no, you're right. When the stuff comes out about Obama spying on, uh, that's when they're at the bottom. I'm waiting for that. I know this stuff is, uh, the you know, uh, I'm waiting for, I want to see somebody arrested. Glenn, I want to see Comey arrested. Well, but the problem is the guy that they put in charge of uh, looking into the FISA court stuff is the guy who was 
the agent that said, this is ridiculous. You can trust the FISA court. Uh, you know, none of this is, is true. This is all made up stuff about Carter Page. That guy is in charge of the what? investigation. Now, who's that? Oh, you'd Which ask guy me is for that? a name. What's, do you Not know Rob his name? Ray. No, 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 no. Um, I don't know his name, but I can look it up for you. Uh, but but he is the guy who was making all of the excuses for the Obama administration with FISA court. And now he's the guy that they put in charge of investigating it. And it's it's ridiculous. It's yeah, but a, we got the we got the Durham report coming. Yes, we do. Right? And we don't know what's in that yet. And hopefully, I mean, I everything I have heard is that uh, that uh, bar is coming down like a bag of bricks uh, and the reports that are coming out this spring or summer are are going to clean house. I've I've also heard um, talk that there are some big replacements coming in some of these communities. We'll leave it at that. Uh, and uh, Trump is interested in cleaning house, really cleaning house, and that would be fantastic. Yeah, I I do. I think they're saving this. I think. Uh, the timing's perfect. I mean, th- th- this is going to be a, a historic landslide in 2020. Like, unless, like be. you said, it could like, be. Like, yeah, but I, I, I mean, how are you going to screw up this economy? What are you going to? I mean, come on. Well, coronavirus, which oh, I had that. Good. You I had... took two Advil PM. I knocked it right out of my system. <laughs> Please, okay. Well, so I'm so sick of hearing. I, you know, my whole life, uh, SARS was supposed to kill me. There's right. been about 18 of these things. I'm sorry. China, there's how many people in China have it? Three, uh, 600 or something? That's like no, 11 still... people over here. Right. <laughs> it, there's a trillion Chinese. That's right. like a, a 0.01%. I'm right. not nervous. I, I, don't have a summer, I don't have a summer home in Huang anymore. Right. I get rid of my pet. Did you see where that originated? From some exotic animals. Yeah, no, they, they where... think it was bat soup. Bat soup? Don't tell me that. I love bat soup. I had that in I had that in Applebee's like two weeks ago. Right? Yeah. They there's a bat soup happy hour. Oh, Don't even tell me that. <laughs> you can get the wings deep fried with the soup. It's yeah, not. it's really oh good God. stuff. Bat yeah. soup? Have you had bat soup? Uh, no, I mean, it's it's why why? I mean, we this is some things that we just need to tell people. And one, I didn't think we needed to say this, but don't eat the bats. Okay, don't eat the bats. I had a, when I lived in New York and Westchester, I had a big stone house by a pond, and I had a couple incidents. Bats got in my house. I was reduced to a 12-year-old girl. One of them chased me around (laughs) my kitchen (laughs) and touched the back of my neck. Glenn, I screamed like a little girl. Oh, I know. And, And then I got it out of the house, and a week later, me and my wife were in bed. This is true. The lights were out. The only light you could see was from the uh, DVR. I see something go by it. I go, don't even tell me. The light, I, I see something fly by it. I hear fluttering. And boy, all that feminism goes away when there's a bat in the house. <laughs> She's so under much. the covers. I got a wiffle ball bat. I'm swinging. <laughs> I, I broke two wedding pictures, so some good came out of this. But uh... <laughs> uh, Nick DiPaolo from NickDip.com. You can listen to his podcast daily, NickDip.com. Thank you so much, Nick. I appreciate it. Can I it. plug three, three dates real quick? Yeah, quickly. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, a week from Saturday, February 15th, Kelsey Theater, Lake Park, Florida. Decatur Civic Center, February 28th, Decatur, Illinois. February 29th, Zany's Comedy Cup, Rosemont, Illinois. And I thank you. Good to see you again, Glenn. Yeah, good to see you. Thanks for talking for us, uh, Nick. Thank you.
the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn, and you're listening to the Glenn Beck program. If you like what you're hearing on this show, make sure you check out Pat Gray Unleashed. It's available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. On Monday, we had Iowa. <laughs> not just not just a run-of-the-mill caucus. They screwed it all up. So two huge stories just on Monday. Then State of the Union on Tuesday, and it wasn't a run-of-the-mill State of the Union. And then Nancy Pelosi added sugar on top of it. Then the next day we had impeachment, which has only happened three times in American history. And the president was acquitted and then the next day, we had his response, and it gets us all the way here to Friday, and God only knows what happens. We haven't even talked about the locusts that are uh, spreading all over the Middle East. So, hey, maybe we'll get to the plague and the locusts next week. Uh, Bill O'Reilly from BillOReilly.com. You did uh, a great commentary on our State of the Union coverage on uh, Tuesday. Thank you for that. Let me start on Iowa and take this day by day. Iowa, the results are still unknown. What the hell happened, Bill? Well, the Iowa vote counters uh, went to the Mideast to count the locusts. <laughs> right. And that. Right. So that's what delayed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Pete Buttigieg is the big winner in Iowa. Um, but nobody cares, so I don't know if that's going to help. Mayor Pete, but I think I, it will. I think it will. It already is looking at the polls in uh, in New Hampshire. It New also Hampshire. already, right. and it turns out that it looks like Bernie Sanders actually won in Iowa, twenty three uh, twenty three to twenty two or twenty four to twenty three, something like that, just by a uh, just by a razor's edge. But he won, so he's not getting the bounce that he would have gotten. Instead, it's all going to yeah. Pete Buttigieg, right? Because Sanders should have wiped them out. Right. Um, you know, Buttigieg is an interesting character because you really don't know what he stands for. You don't know because he's never sat for a serious interview with anybody. Uh, the debates are jokes. They just ask a question. Guy can or the gal can answer whatever they want. Nobody holds them accountable for what they say. So I don't know what Pete Buttigieg's vision of the country but, is, no, for but- example. Nobody's nobody is going to sit. I mean, think he, he let's say he just is starting to do well and he is he becomes the the nominee. Who yeah. is he going to sit nobody. with that's going to ask him hard questions? No one. No one. And 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 he knows and his people know that he doesn't have to. That nobody's demanding that he, he do it. So, for example, open borders. Does Pete Buttigieg support open borders? Would he uh deport people? Is he a single-payer health care guy? What's his health care vision? What would he do um, with taxes? Would he raise corporate taxes and personal taxes? Nobody knows. All Pete Buttigieg, and I said this before, and I, I really think this is the best analogy. He looks like a cast member of Happy Days. Hmm. Every time I see him, I go, where's Chachi? Um, it, it, he's a young very articulate, but so were the Happy Days crew. And <laughs> he goes around and he says stuff. And I don't know what, three minutes after he says something, I don't know what he, I can't remember what he said. But 
He's got deficits. For some reason, African-Americans don't like Peter Buttigieg. I don't know why they don't like him. It's the, don't the, like him. Their church-going, uh, uh, basic, uh, you know, moral principle-believing people. The, the, uh, you, you, know, don't people think, you think it's a gay thing with him? Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, uh, uh, you remember Proposition 8? You know, the Mormons and the Catholics got the the heat for making sure Proposition 8 uh, didn't happen in California. It wasn't it wasn't them. The the biggest uh, the biggest outspoken and force uh, as a voting block against Proposition 8 in California was the African-American vote. They they don't they okay. have that might be the culturally. Might be it just doesn't it doesn't work right. uh, there. Um. So he. He. He gets 30% of the Democratic uh, machine, African-Americans and, you'd have to say, very conservative Hispanics, um, not going to vote for him. That, that's a pretty big deficit. And I, I will um, tell you this. I think this is different. You know, when, when Obama was coming in, it was the first uh, uh, black president, so it was history, et cetera, et cetera. This would be history, too, the, you know, the first gay president. But I think that... People don't. People uh, people have changed. It's not like the first black president anymore. Now, when you say, "Well, you got to vote for him because he's whatever," fill in the blank, gay, they will look at that as, "Oh, geez, now we're going to have an activist." And they, I think, people are tired of the activists. They're tired of you know we we did the gay marriage and everything and. Things are moving along, and so there's that group that would say, so it's not going to be a problem. I don't care if he's gay or not, and I think that's probably most uh, Americans, maybe. Um, but then you, have, then you have those who might support him because of that that would say, you know, I just don't want any more activism. What is that going to mean? But he's not really an activist. He's, he's not campaigning. He's campaigning no, as, I'm a nice guy. Um, I'm smart and I'm young and vibrant and elect me. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to get hurt in South Carolina mm-hmm. and some of the biggest states. So yes, Judge will probably do well next Tuesday. And then all the press will run up and it'll be Buttigieg, Buttigieg, Buttigieg. Um, because they're desperately, they being the media, seeking someone who can be competitive with Donald Trump. But I don't see Buttigieg as a nominee. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I don't know who it's going to be. I was a Biden predictor, but Biden really, I, he can't raise money now. I mean, oh, Biden is. If Biden comes in right now, he is in the polls in New Hampshire. He's in fourth place. If Biden is in fourth or fifth place, he's done. He's just done. Well, he'll win South Carolina even even if he performs poorly in um in New Hampshire. So I don't think he's done. And then tonight, I think you're going to see Biden be a lot more aggressive because he almost has to be in the debate, right? Oh, there's a debate tonight. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh no, yeah. No, I'm no, I've already got that on my calendar. I'm watching that start to ah, finish tonight. I can't I'll be wait. Tweeting at, at yeah. Bill O'Reilly. Uh, okay. Everybody sign up for the tweets. So you don't have to watch. I'll tweet it. You'll know what's going on. And that's you, that's you what I'm looking for, Bill. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. You go to the, 
Take the bullet for us. Do whatever you want. Yeah. He's got to go hard at Buttigieg, though, doesn't he, Bill? I mean, this is is it. I I mean, if if he loses, if he gets destroyed in New Hampshire, and I know what you're saying about South Carolina because his polls have been so solid among black voters in particular, he's been holding that line. But if he loses three states in a row, they may abandon him. No, they won't. Uh, He'll win South Carolina. Um, Black voters are very loyal. Very loyal. And they'll stay with him because of the Obama connection. Um, but tonight, I expect, uh, you know, scorched earth from Joe Biden uh, as much as that could be. Uh, I don't yeah, I don't know what that even means with Joe Biden anymore. He used to be that guy. I don't think he has the fight yeah. in him anymore. I really don't. You know, I, certainly, he has run a very poor campaign and looks befuddled, word of the day, mm-hmm. befuddled. Um but tonight, he's got he's to do it. He's got to come out. But even if he does, nobody's watching the debate tonight. Nobody's going to watch. You're There's watching. Six million viewers. You know, because everybody will be out having fun. Uh, they should have done the debate on Sunday night. Um, but they put Friday night. I don't think anybody and wants. nobody's going to remember it by Monday. Right. I don't think they even want anybody watching. I mean, that's the worst day of the week to, <laughs> oh, no. to do a debate. I mean, it's just, it's a horrible thing. So, so Bill, let me, uh, let me ask you about Bernie Sanders now. Bernie Sanders yeah. did really well in Iowa. He got, he, he gets no credit now. He's lost None. that bump. He's got 24%. It looks like he is the official winner in uh, Iowa by one percentage mm-hmm. point. He is ahead now, but it's close. Buttigieg is closing the gap in New Hampshire Buddha Judge, right. I think, was at fourteen percent. He's now at uh, what was it, twenty-two percent in uh, New mm-hmm. Hampshire, still being led by Bernie Sanders. What happens to Bernie Sanders now? Just Bernie Sanders is forty years older than Buddha Judge. Forty, four zero. All right. Now, there's no way that the Democratic Party is going to allow Bernie Sanders to run against Donald Trump. No way. It's not going to happen. All right. So Trump wants to run against Sanders. That's why Trump's running around going, oh, they're going to fix it against Bernie again. Because he wants Bernie as an, op- as an opponent. And after the break, I know you have to take one because you have to sell stuff. Um, I talked with Donald Trump two days ago um, because I had to clarify some things. I'm actually doing reporting on this whole impeachment and uh, campaign. But he wants to run against Sanders uh, because Mini Mike – uh, the mayor of Bloomberg, give him a much tougher time mm-hmm. than Sanders would. Now, Buttigieg, nobody, nobody thinks he's going to be the nominee of the Democratic Party. It would be almost a miracle for him to get it. But I think Minnie Mike would put him as second. I think it would be a Bloomberg-Buttigieg ticket. Um, so that's possible. And that's what's on the horizon. All right. But that, Bernie. Go ahead. Go ahead. But Bernie. He's so crazy. He's so crazy. The Democrats are not going to put him up. So, uh, Bill O'Reilly, you know, we were talking that if you wanted to pick a candidate to run against, I would want Trump to run against Bernie Sanders. Because I think it would be fun. I think he would be. uh, Yeah, Trump running against Bernie Sanders, I think, would be fun. I think he would it would be uh, eye opening. And I also think it would be a landslide. However, if Bernie Sanders is the nominee the flight of money in this country will be devastating, even in the buildup, and anything could go wrong. I mean, I don't want to repeat the mistake of, that guy would never be president. 
because that's what every that's why they wanted Donald Trump to run against Hillary Clinton. Yeah. You don't know. Right. So who would you um, pick? Because the 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 consequence of a Bernie Sanders win, do you agree, is catastrophic for our country? Depression. Yeah. Not recession. Depression. Depression. So you know, Americans don't pay close attention to politics. I mean, you know, obviously you and I make our living doing it, and the people listening to this program do pay attention, but most don't. So they go Bernie Sanders. They don't really know what Bernie Sanders stands for, but they do know if they have a retirement account or a college fund account that is invested in stocks and bonds. They know that. Bernie Sanders gets elected. Your retirement account gets cut in half. I think there's a chance that your stock market gets cut in half if he is the nominee and he looks like it's a – if it looks like it is close – Bill, I'm not waiting until he's elected to take my money out. I'll take my money out yeah. if I if it looks like he might be. I'm not going to wait. That's what all the chumps would do. But the, the polls are not going to show him. Once it's defined that he would be the nominee, then you're going to start to see reality kick all in. Right. And people are going to go, yeah, you know, I don't really don't want to be Venezuela. You know, in the State of the Union, they brought in the opposition leader for Venezuela to be in a crowd, right? Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yep. Okay, then why? Why? Why would they do that? There's no reason on earth. Nobody cares about Venezuela. Nobody knows what's happening there. The reason they did it subliminally was to tie the Democratic Party to Venezuela socialism. Exactly right. That's why they did it. Yes. Okay? So the Republican uh, Trump campaign way ahead on this issue. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is that the press won't honestly report on Bernie mm-hmm. Sanders. He's a kindly old godfather. He's not going to hurt anybody, whereas you're absolutely correct. If he ever got power, the flight of money, capital, and actual people leaving the United States would cause a tremendous recession that would lead to a depression. Bernie Sanders can't run anything. He's never got one piece of legislation passed in the Senate. Not one, ever. That's what Hillary Clinton was screaming about. And he's got himself a millionaire status by never having a job in the private sector, ever. Yet he's a millionaire with three nice properties. And we investigated and found out it was all political patronage. Yeah. He's Hunter Biden. Right. But the press isn't going to report any of that. Right. We have in this country not a free press any longer. We have an ideological press. All right, let me uh, let me switch to the State of the Union. And first, let's just uh, it. W- I thought it was I thought it was a uh, a new standard for the State of the Union. Uh, you could tell the president has been in television and marketing his whole life. It was brilliantly orchestrated. It was entertaining. It was fun. I I was in the room as you know that night, uh, Bill, and it was filled with hatred, unlike I have ever felt before. The, the the and you saw it with Nancy Pelosi, but I saw yeah. it. I saw it from the House the whole time. They hate him, not like it was yes, last they year. They hate him because he's he's winning. Yes, that's why that speech written by Stephen Miller, who's brilliant, 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 yep. right, was precise. It put 
the president in a position of authority. And then they orchestrated it and illustrated it with seven very touching uh, people and situations that were immediately resolved, just like you do on reality TV. It was right out of The Apprentice. Yep. Immediately resolved them. Yep. All right. Here's the general. We just promoted him. Here's the little kid. We're going to give her her private school scholarship. Yeah, I was like one after yeah. the other. Here's after Rush Limbaugh. Here's a Medal here's of medal. Freedom. Here's, here's the, the here's the soldier's right. wife. Here's the soldier. I mean, I honestly, right. you don't need Oprah Winfrey because no. he's already done it. You got a car, yeah. and you got a car, and you got a car. That's right. It was Oprah on steroids. Right. And and it was a there was a payoff to it. Right. It was a payoff, 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 payoff. So that's why Pelosi ripped the script up, because Pelosi was sitting there and didn't know what to do because it was working. And they didn't know what to applaud for. They didn't know it. They didn't know anything. Yeah. And they just looked like a bunch of fifth graders whose parents just told them they weren't going to the movies. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn, and if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. Hi, it's Glenn. If you're a subscriber to the podcast, can you do us a favor and rate us on iTunes? If you're not a subscriber, become one today and listen on your own time. You can subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. Just looking over the comments that uh, came in uh, from last night's show. Imagine if our mainstream media did this level of reporting and investigation. Imagine how much corruption they could eliminate. It's almost as if that's what the founders wanted. Uh, Leon wrote, Glenn, let me start by saying I was raised in California, but I'm a non, no-nonsense, straight-shooting, physically hard-working 50-year-old man, and I am not quick to give compliments unless they are due to the work you have been doing, you and your staff. You've been doing for a long time now. It's truly amazing. If anyone deserves an award of the highest award for journalism, it would be you and your team. Uh, you call it like it is. You speak the truth that you've uncovered even way back when you first uh, covered the Federal Reserve and so many other amazing topics. Thank you uh, for what you have done. Incredible journalism writes, Candace, I'm truly speechless. Thank you for not giving up on these stories like we see so often in the mainstream media. Thanks for the incredible work put into this. Um, uh, great presentation, Glenn. Uh, at approximately 46.57 into your special, you presented a newspaper article that cites investigative journalist Nashi Grashi. Um, you should know, because I am from Ukraine, Nashi Grashi is not the name of a person. It literally means our money in Ukrainian. Thank you for doing this. A lot of people from Ukraine were watching the story last night. Uh, I will say, too, that Nashi Grashi would be a great name. It would be, wouldn't that's it? A, that's a freaking solid name right there. Yeah, I think Let's so. Let's go to reporter Nashi Grashi. Nashi? Uh, listen to this one. Uh, wow, this is so powerful. I'm a Ukrainian native, and I didn't know half of this. Where is your $1.8 billion? And we, we drew the conclusion last night. Now, this is our conclusion. You'll have to make your own uh, mind up on it. But... Uh, it is the most 
logical um, scenario that explains what we laid out last night is the Obama administration was running a secret war against Russia, a, a hot war. Um, and our $1.8 billion, which, by the way, when they say we have missing $1.8 billion, do you know what that $1.8 billion was for? How much did that just piss you off, Stu, when you found that out? Yeah. I mean, the whole thing has is, is nonstop uh, examples of, uh, of stuff that shouldn't happen. Right. So the $1.8 billion that is missing was, was uh, raised uh, by John Kerry and Joe Biden. They got Congress to pass this aid money to bail out the Ukrainian banks. <laughs> wow, I thought it was bad when we were bailing out our banks, but now you're, they're using your taxpayer dollars to bail out the Ukrainian banks. So that $1.8 billion was put into um, uh, Pravat Bank and the guy who is the the largest shareholder and the founder of Pravat Bank is a guy named Kolomoisky. He is he's Tony Soprano, and Jason Buttrell is uh, with us, and he is our chief researcher and head writer, and has been overseeing all the research on this one. First of all, fantastic job! Thanks, fantastic job. Um, explain who Kolomoisky is because we knew who he was we knew he was with Burisma and you know one of the larger shareholders there um, and we knew that he ran the bank and we knew also that he was on a pretty much a do not fly list don't do business with list um, he couldn't come to the United States everyone knew who he was we thought that was just he's a bad shady businessman that's not who he is yeah, there's bad shady businessmen, and and the the bad shady businessmen in Ukraine seem to be about ninety eight to ninety nine percent of all of them. Um, yeah, so they've all right. got something weird with them. But this guy Kolomoisky is like the king of oligarchs. And when we say oligarch, you know, we mean Tony Soprano. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, he was on this do not fly list over here because, as you were pointing out. He was in, using intimidation tactics. Usually he was arming gangs in the streets to intimidate rivals. And that included supplying them with guns, supplying them with whatever, including chainsaws. He was implicated in beheading uh, beheadings within the country. This is a bad guy. Yeah. And this beheadings. Is- can you imagine? This is when you say, hey, he's a shady businessman. Think of somebody you think is a shady businessman. You think white collar crime, right. something like that, like Bernie this is a, Madoff or something, right? right. Yeah. This is a guy who was buying chainsaws <laughs> so his his group could go out and behead people with chainsaws because he didn't like the way they were doing business. You know what I'm saying? Wow, that's a whole different league. Now, it's his bank that we deposited the 1.8 billion dollars into. It's his bank that then sent that overseas to uh, several different countries, but all into his shell businesses. That money was then laundered and just, I mean, it bounced all over the world. Now, the reason why this is important uh, is because, A, Hunter Biden was working with this guy. Joe Biden cleared this guy's name. And honestly, I want to look at this and do what the mainstream media would never do for me, would never do for for Rush, they'd never do for uh, Trump, nobody. Let me look at this from the perspective of 
Joe Biden for a second. How much is your son's life worth? Is your son's life worth $3 million? I would say no. It's worth a lot more than that. If if this was just about enriching your family, there's easier ways to do it. He's been doing it in China. Why would you allow your son to be involved? And this we had the documents from Latvia. The Latvian government uh, issued a letter to Ukraine saying, hey, there's massive amounts of money being laundered through Latvia, and it involves Hunter Biden and Burisma. Okay. (laughs) Had you heard that before? Why would you let your son be involved with a guy who cuts people's heads off with chainsaws? That just doesn't make any sense to me. Unless it was more than just the money. You give your son $3 million to help you out on this project. Uh, So you're going to get paid for it, son, but this is a bigger deal. And it explains why Joe Biden, apparently, according to Hunter, the only conversation they had was, are you sure? Are you sure you know what you're doing with this? That's, That's almost like the speech that you give... You know, when you when you're the father and you're sending a son in and the son's been given instructions and he's going on a death mission and he has a chance to escape, most likely will. But it's going to be dicey. That's that movie scene where the father works up, walks up to the son. They don't even have to talk about what the mission is because they both know. Are you sure you know what you're doing? Yes, dad, I do. Okay. I. I believe because Kolomoisky was explain the governorship that he was given after at the same time he was being cleared by us and given a good clean bill of health for the rest of the world. This is this is amazing and I don't know how no one has this is multiple things when we did this investigation were like I cannot believe this hasn't been reported in mass. But Kolomoisky was obviously a rich oligarch. He, like we said, the king of oligarchs. He owned the biggest media company. He owned the biggest independent gas company. Um, and on and on and on down and the line. The bank. And the, the, ban- the, and, and the largest bank. bank. Yeah. Um, but during that time, 2014, 2015, Poroshenko was looking for these rich oligarchs to fund the war against Russia. So we, because they were completely broke, they, they were, had they had no money. They had no money. That's why we had to bail out their banks. They okay. were spending uh, every year four billion was allotted for the Ukrainian military. That's all they had. They mm-hmm. just had four billion. But these oligarchs were, were their net worth was much more than that four billion. Mm-hmm. So he was like, "I'm going to take these rich oligarchs that we've had and that are obviously corrupt, but I'm going to weaponize them." So Kolomoisky had this very large uh, region in eastern Ukraine that really backs right up to where the uh, war was breaking out in eastern Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So if you want a front line, Kolomoisky's region is the front line. So he appoints him governor for the very specific purpose of funding that war effort in that region. We know for a fact that millions flowed. I'm not sure which bank accounts, which I'm hoping Congress can help us out on that. Mm-hmm. But we know that millions flowed to buy equipment, fuel. Um, I've seen full-on sp- spreadsheets, tires, um, salaries for uh, militias. Uh, one of the militias, the largest, was right there in his district, Dnipro, which you pointed out last night. So what's crazy about this is these are the things we can find. What are the things that we can't 
find? What are there? What where? Who is buying the guns? Who is buying the military equipment? Where did it come from? Now, this guy is the guy that we were supposedly trying to bail out the bank. But as soon as we deposited the one point eight billion, that money was laundered and gone to him. So he stole that money. And we don't care about it. We showed you last night a State Department letter that says, don't look into this to the special prosecutor. Don't look into this. You don't need to look into this. This and That information is out there. So like what you t- what you you mentioned, Nashi Groshi, uh, that is an awesome name. Yeah. <laughs> um, that So their, their work has been cited all over the place in Ukraine. You won't find it, any of it in the in the West. You won't find it anywhere. They mm-hmm. used it in court proceedings uh, out there in Ukraine. They were very specific in showing how they, like I said, they, they identified 42 shell companies, all leading back to Kolomoisky, all over the world. Now, this information is hard to find because, and I've looked at it because every time they say, "Okay, we know the money went directly to such and such shell company in Belize," they would instantly retag that money as being for something else. I don't know, buying wrenches. In El Salvador or something like that. And it would bounce over there. And it would bounce to a different shell company, also owned Nikola Moisky. But every time people like me or, or our, our, our colleagues try to pin down that cash or to a company, it gets re, uh, re, reset as something else and sent to another, uh, another company. That's how it works. Now, I, that's, what, that's what we, and if, especially if you're a congressman or senator right now, this is what we need help with. We need to know, we need help through the Treasury to find out where that cash went. We need to follow that money because... I'm, I've got a very strong suspicion a lot of that went flying back to eastern Ukraine. To buy arms. To, in 2014-2015 look, time this frame. is what we were doing in Benghazi. We were arming what became uh, um, ISIS. This is the way the Obama administration was working. And this was a secret war. And it wasn't secret. I can guarantee you, we deposit $1.8 billion into a corrupt bank and it disappears. Putin is not saying, gee, I wonder what happened. Oh, they had their money stole. He knows exactly whose money, whose pocket that money goes into. And he knows that that's the guy that's building armies. We were at war with Russia. You want to know why they were hammering us? Why they're acting like we're at war? Because we are at war. And it's without Congress knowing. No congressional oversight or approval. It was money laundering of your tax dollars to fight a war you didn't even know about. That's the special, and I want you to watch it. I, I would love for you to hashtag and tweet about it and and uh, spread it. We'd like you to use the hashtag Ukraine, the final piece, P-I-C-P-I-E-C-E. Some people were saying the final piece, P-E-A-C-E. It's not final piece. Uh, hashtag uh, Ukraine, the final piece. Tweet that out. Let's get that trending. It was trending at number two last night uh, nationally um, and probably would have been, been number one because it was tra- – it was hashtag with misspellings uh, in it at like number 17 and number 14 as well. Uh, so Ukraine, the final piece, hashtag that this all this information is going to Grassley and Johnson because they are already apparently on some of this stuff uh, and it needs to be investigated and people need to pay for it and go to jail. Also, uh, please also hashtag it Nashigashi. Yeah, <laughs> that's important. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, I loved Nashi and Gashi go to White Castle. Yeah, thank that you so great. much. Thank you so much, uh, Jason. Thanks.
Watch that whole special now. You can find it on YouTube or Blaze TV. And if, and if you will, become a subscriber at blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code GB20OFF uh, and save uh, 20 bucks on your year-long subscription. You'll save 20, uh, 20%. It's the price of a cup of coffee a month. And we sure would like to have you as a subscriber. You are the reason we do these things and can do them. You've just paid for all of that research. Thank you for that. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.